0: Uh, if you had been uh, looking through the papers this week, there was lots of stuff happening wasn't there in the news, lots of stuff happening in our parliaments, uh, in a local sense there was the whole Orica spill, and the fact that uh, certain people kept that quiet, I don't know the whole uh, issue about it, but uh, chemical spill, and they had it twice, but yet uh, people weren't telling people about it, so there's a whole dilemma there wasn't it, as well. Uh, then there was also uh, Mr Craig Thompson, who uh, is up, uh, we're unsure what he did with his uh, credit card, or whether it was his credit card, or whether it was someone else signing it, but uh, they uh, used his credit card for $15,000 worth of prostitution. Uh, I don't know about you, but uh, within the whole of that is- issue, the thing that was, was the bad was the fact that he used a credit card that wasn't his. I don't think the whole concept of the fact that it was used for prostitution was even part of the, the dilemma. It was actually just that he used money, maybe in a wrong way. How do we view that? How do we think about that? Um, but even under that too, this week has been a big week in the Federal Parliament, and I don't know whether you've seen it, but I actually think it dived under the covers because I don't think it came out the way that people expected it. In Federal Parliament this week, uh, parliamentarians were to bring back the information that they got them from their constituents after they went out to the, to the people and asked them whether they think it is right now to change the Marriage Act, basically. Uh, let me just put this up on the screen for you and, and show you what happened. Uh, at the moment, the Marriage Act in Australia reads like this. It says, It's the union of a man and woman to the exclusion of all others, voluntarily entered into for life. Earlier this year, the Greens brought to the Parliament a different version. And you'll see that down at the bottom. It, Marriage means the union of two people, regardless of their sex, sexual orientation, gender identity, to the exclusion of all others, voluntarily entered into for life. Now they knew that it wouldn't get up, and so what they did was—and this is not sneaky by any means—but um, what they did was they said, "Well, let's give this uh, to the people in the parliament. We'd like you to go out and canvass your constituents, and we'd like you to find out what they think about this. Whether we're going to change it from that to that." Um, and they thought, and they put it out there, and they would were, were report back. And then once they've reported back, I think what they were hoping to see was that the majority of people in Australia believe that the bottom one's right and therefore they will move a motion at the beginning of next year to change the Marriage Act. Uh, has anyone heard the responses? Has anyone seen it plastered on the television? Yeah, I heard that this morning as well. Uh, but I don't know about you, but the only time I heard any feedback about it was on ABC Radio on the way on Wednesday afternoon, on the way to Alstonville to watch Hamish do soccer, and they had a whole section about this issue and had feedback on it, which was good. Uh, but within it, they just mentioned that there were thirty people respondents, thirty parliamentarians had reported back on Wednesday. Of the thirty parliamentarians who reported back on Wednesday, twenty-five of them had said that their constituents overwhelmingly wanted to stick with the top one and only five wanted to go with the bottom one. Now that is all I've heard since. But every parliamentarian, as I understand, has reported back and do you know what the outcome of it was? Two-thirds of the parliamentarians came back, more than two-thirds came back with the top one being what the public want, and with a 90% rating that the top one is the one that they want. I wonder why we haven't heard about it. It's interesting, isn't it? It's interesting because uh, leading up to it, if you were reading in uh, letters to the editor, if you were reading some of the stuff that uh, Sydney Morning Herald have, now they have their writers about three quarters of the way through where they deal with issues and so forth, there was lots of stuff about how it's stupid that we haven't gone down the bottom rung path. Uh, we need to pick up the game. We need to get on board. This is a logical thing that we need to do. We need to get on board with the bottom one here. We're lapsing behind, but there hasn't been anything since the parliamentarians have reported back. It's very interesting, isn't it? Uh, look, I'm not going to dwell on that too much today, but it, uh, it sets up what we're going to talk about today. We're going to be looking at what redefining marriage, because this is a big issue in Australia at the moment. It's a big issue around the place, it's a discussion point, people are talking about it, talk, thinking about it. So how do we think Christianly about this? How do we come to this and have a, a good conversation with someone where they're not going to come back to us and say, oh you're just Bible bashers. Ah, oh, you're just bigots, oh you're just homophobic. How can we have a conversation with someone about this in a way that will actually take it forward and hopefully they will listen to us as we have that conversation, at the same time sticking to our Christian principles. Well that's what I'm going to try and do today. Uh, we're not going to be able to cover everything, by the way, and when we're redefining marriage, we could talk about how we get into de facto marriages, how there's divorce rates, all those sorts of things. We're not going to touch that because that's even bigger, but some of the stuff we are going to bring together will help with, with that, but we're just going to stick with the one issue for the moment because that seems to the, the hot topic at the moment in our society around us. All right, so I think firstly what we need to do, if we're going to come to this and think about uh, this whole issue of redefining marriage, we as Christians need to understand, well, what is marriage? Uh, what does God say marriage is? And so that's what we're going to do now. We're going to have a look at that. We're going to think about that. Uh, if you flick down the next screen, guys. Uh, we're going to do that. Remember, last week we had two things that helped us think this through. Uh, the mutual love ethic. That is, an action or trait or character is right if and only if it promotes, creates or maintains mutual love relationships between, A, God and humans. Uh, implicitly that is the created order. And humans and humans. Uh, so that was our—that in a sentence that we encapsulated what our mutual love ethic, when we think through these things. We're going to put that into practice a little bit today. And the other thing we did was this. Uh, if you can remember that. Uh, these are like our poles in a sense that we work our love ethic out of. We understand that uh, creation had the order. That was the way it was set up. Uh, Jesus is the method by which we do these things inside of God's characters and God's commands for love. We work within that and we see that and then we understand that our goal is the future, is eternity. We want to look like this. And so we're going to be working within that framework. In one sense it's not that you go from here to here to here to there to there. It's this is the framework with which we work with inside of. okay? We, we, we look at all that before we make a decision about what we think is a Christian ethical thing to do which works out in that mutual love ethic. So we put all that together as we think about it. So I'm going to try and do a little bit of that today uh, within the issue of this redefining marriage. And so the first thing that we do do is we go back here. We do go to the creation. We have a look at the creation order and see what marriage is. Uh, so that's what we're going to do. We're going to have a look at that. Uh, over the past, I think people have called marriage a whole lot of things, haven't they? They've called it a sentence. Uh, some people, when they say you have been married for 60 years, reckon they get less for murder. Uh, we often joke a little bit about that, don't we, in some ways. Uh, but in some ways we undermine it. while well, we do that, don't we? Uh, this is a quote that I read the other day. Uh, to be happy in marriage with a man, you must understand him a lot and love him a little. To be happy with a woman, you must love her a lot and not try to understand her at all. Uh, that was written by a lady called Helen Rowland. So that was the lady who mentioned that. Uh, Oscar Wilde said this. He said, The world has grown suspicious of anything that looks like a happily married life. That's interesting, isn't it? And I think it's true. Uh, it, into a sense, a happily married life has become almost not the norm, but the, the opposite, something that's quite weird and quite different. Uh, but that's what we're going to try and think about that today as well. Oh, that was a nice bump there. Uh, so let's have a look at what the, what the Bible does say about marriage. And we're going to go back to Genesis. Uh, as i said last week genesis sets up the framework it sets up an order so betty's going to come out and read to us two passages from genesis uh, they'll go up on the screen for you genesis chapter 1 verse 26 to 28 and then verses uh, chapter 2 verse 20 to 25
1: then god said let us make man in our image in our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air over the livestock over all the earth and over all the creatures that move along the ground so god created man in his own image in the image of god he created him male and female he created them god blessed them and said to them be fruitful and increase in number till the earth fill the earth and subdue it rule over the fish of the sea the birds of the air, and over every living creature that moves on the ground. We'll go on to the next one. Yeah, thanks, Benny. Um, the next part is um, Genesis chapter 2, verses 20b to 25. Uh, but for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping... He took one of the man's ribs and closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she she was taken out of man. For this reason, A man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. The man and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame.
0: Thanks, Betty. Uh, So what we've seen there, we've seen two parts of it from Genesis, have we seen a uh, in Genesis you sort of get like a picture from uh, where God's sitting, then you see what's happening at the earth, and you see where God's sitting, and then you see what's happening at the earth at different times. Um, and so we see back in chapter 1, in a sense, was the outline of what God, why he created man and woman, he created them uh, together, to be one together, uh, so that they will be fruitful and multiply, and rule over or care over the earth, is what they are there for. Uh, and then we see in chapter 2, we see that worked out in, in in a sense, on the ground. Uh, This is what God says He's going to do in chapter 1, and then we see how He does that in chapter 2. And when we get to chapter 2 and taking chapter 1 together, we see that what marriage is about is it's about a unity, it's about a oneness, it's about a bringing together of two people into a unified body. Uh, There's a whole sense there, isn't it, that Adam couldn't find amongst the created beings someone that was to be with him. And so God created one to be with him and that was to be a woman. Male and female, he created them. And he says that they are, in a sense, God brings them together and says that those together, these two together, they'll go on into the rest of the world, populate it and rule it and care for it from there. And they're to do that together. But notice that it's male and female that he puts there too. And he has some really nice little words there. If you Have a look at verse 24, he says... For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and will be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. There's three little words there that I think are really helpful at understanding what marriage is about. The first one is "leaving." The second one is "cleaving," or "united," is the word that the New Testament used, and the other one is "one flesh. Uh, the, the way that the Bible puts that is that uh, what happens is a man and a woman, and they have children, they 're talking about in the future. Uh, that, that they are a family over here. Parents and kids are like this. The, the word for leave is a breaking. It's a breaking of a bond. That that breaks and now they come and they cleave. It's a, the word for cleave is a rebonding, a new bonding together here. So male and female break from their relationship with their parents and form a new bond here. They leave and they cleave together. Uh, and I think that's really helpful, isn't it? Because I think sometimes uh, we don't leave our families. Sometimes our families, we love them, we care for them, we still want to respect them, but we're to become a new family, a new entity, a new oneness, in a sense, is what it puts it. So they actually leave to become partners and they cleave together to form a new oneness that they have. And, and then the, the third one is one flesh. And this is a sense which has a definitely a sexual connotation to it, okay? Uh, it's not just that we're joined together, but there is a complementary part of it, isn't it, that they become one flesh, that they are joined together, that males and females are designed to actually link together and that sexual intercourse is an important, intricate, implicit part of that, that that actually is part of it and that sex in itself is not really about pleasing one's desires or fulfilling one's own Uh, physical self-desires, it's actually about a gift of giving to the other. And that's really important to remember too, isn't it? Because in the world that's around us, that we're out there, sex is about fulfilling certain desires, certain needs of other people. Whereas in the Bible, the sex aspect of it, it does do that, but its main attitude of it is actually a gift of one person giving their whole self to another person. It's a giving of a gift to one another. That changes perspective, doesn't it? That changes perspective of what sex is about. And it's a bringing together that way. It's a oneness. It's a one flesh. And you notice that it's a complementary aspect too, isn't it? Where am I up to on there? What's the next one say? Uh, exclusive, that should have been the next one, isn't it? It's exclusive, isn't it? So it's male and female together. They come together. They leave and they cleave together and they become one flesh. And what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 9, he says, what man has joined together, let no one separate. The idea is it's exclusive man and woman bond with no one else involved in it. They're to be that together. Okay, It's an exclusive relationship. No one else is to get in between them, in other words. Uh, and it's male and female, as I said before, and it's complementary. Uh, I think it's great with well, the way the Bible puts it, isn't it? That man, uh, woman comes from the side, from the rib is what the New Testament uses. I think the, the picture is more as that the, the woman comes from the side of the husband, of the, of the man. And, and that's great, isn't it? Because I think that's picturesque as well, isn't it? That we are complementary together. That it's not that the woman is behind and she's subjugated. It's not that the woman is in front and that she leads. It's the woman, the man and the woman together. They're complementary in this. They are to rule the earth together, to care the earth together. They are to populate the earth together. It's complementary as well. And finally, we see that in in Genesis chapter 1 there that we are to fill the earth, that one of the great aspects of of marriage is the prospect of children, that children can be raised in a loving, nurturing, male-female, loving marriage relationship. Now, don't get me wrong, uh, we are talking about marriage here, so don't get me wrong, uh, singleness is an important part of life and, and you can be Christian and you can be fulfilled as a single as much as you can as married. So I don't think that we're just pushing one line here, but we're just working within a context of this issue at the moment, okay? And also when we think about this too, we need to realise that not everyone can have children too. And so uh, children, in one sense, it's not that that makes the marriage... But children are, in a sense, when they do come from marriage, that it's an important part of what marriage is about. In one sense, marriage is the place in which the nurturing, loving, caring of children should take place, with a male and a female mum and dad caring for them. Uh, so, remember, that's what—that's uh, the ideal, isn't it? So, that's what the model is, in a sense. Uh, that's how we look at it when we see it in Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2. When we get to Matthew chapter 19, verses 4 to 7, we see that Jesus quotes this as well. He says that a man will leave and he will cleave and he will become one flesh. And he says that, that, that no man separate that. And so, we see it's a, it's, a, it's a role model, the way that we should have it. Uh, We see that Jesus says in a Jesus-shaped community that this is the way that it should be as well. Uh, And so we see that that's the way that it should operate. But then we remember that sin hits it in the fall, don't we? And so it's not perfect. The fall, in a sense, breaks that up. The fall puts wedges into that and so we don't see those perfect relationships all the time. Uh, There's the Matthew one, if you like, if you can read that, Matthew 19, verses 4 to 7. I'll just skip through that for you. Jump down to the next one, guys. That'll be good. Uh, so here, this is just a little sentence that I put together that I think uh, pulls all that together. So we see from God's perspective, marriage is to be, to, to be between a man and a woman. It is to be a loving knowing of one another. That is a gift from God. It is to be a leaving and cleaving of a man and a woman to one another, to the exclusion of all others. It is to be complementary to each other. It is a place where passionate sexual giving of oneself So the other is to be expressed and is to be the best place for the loving, nurturing of children. So if we pull it all together, that's in a sense like one big sentence that we could sort of hold it together. And now that's going to help us, isn't it, as we think about that, as we go into what we think this redefining marriage, how it fits with that. It also helps, doesn't it, in regards to other relationships that we see around too, that the world has taken on these days. Uh, We can take that and we can say that, well, how does that fit? with uh, people who just have multi-partners? How does that fit with people who uh, just spend uh, sleep with one another? How does that fit with de facto relationships? How does that fit with all these other things? We want to try and encourage people for this, don't we? That they go along this path. As I said, sin impacts it so it's not perfect. And I think as Christians, we need to be really careful about that, don't we? Uh, Because as Christians, sometimes people just think, oh yeah, you think you've got it all right, you think you've got it all sorted. You know, and so you're up here above us. Whereas Christians, we need to realise that sin impacts this and chips away at it and knocks away at it and even with us in our own relationships. It impacts us too, doesn't it? And when you look through the Bible, you see examples of that. You see David with Bathsheba, where he uh, not only sleeps with someone else's wife, but he gets the husband killed as well. And then when you look through the Old Testament, you see lots of examples of where... Uh, marriages have been destroyed we see that there is polygamy in the in the old testament and you think well how does that fit well you think that doesn't fit because god doesn't like it and he shows that by the way that israel gets destroyed so often by the fact that husbands have too many wives and vice versa Uh, it destroys their their whole society so it's not good Uh, but we need to realize that don't we that it's not perfect as Christians we need to understand that and, and, and share that with people that we know that it's not perfect but this is what we think would be the best because this is what God says is the best way to operate in this way. Um, so what's on the next screen, guys? I think as part of this... As Christians, we've got to have that Christian view, don't we? That, that, that's what we need to know. We need to understand that. We want to, we want to hold to that. Uh, but then we realise that sin impacts that. So therefore, we need to be loving and caring how we share that with people. But we also need to realise that lots of people out there don't share that. Lots of people who we talk to do not have a framework, a Christian framework to work from. Most people that we share with don't, haven't given their lives to Jesus most people out there don't think that they're following Jesus or believe that they want to follow Jesus and become God-shaped versions of Jesus, do we? And that's, uh, Remember last week that our aim is to become Jesus-shaped versions of ourselves? Most people we talk to don't have that concept. So therefore, when we talk to them, we, we need to have solid what our Christian perspective of it is, but we need to think how do we share that lovingly and caringly with people out there who don't have our worldview? Because most people don't. Okay? Uh, if you're in the older bracket around here, some of your friends will have a Christian perspective on things because they've heard it in their background. But when you get down to my age and younger, very few of them have a Christian background at all. So they don't even think of it from that perspective. So we need to realise that when we talk to them. And so I think what we need to do is uh, we need to think, well, what are, some, what are some good reasons that come out of how we understand our order, how we understand Jesus, how we understand our love ethic, how do, what are some good things that come out that we can share that show a God-driven direction of this but also resonate with the people that we're talking to? So let's uh, run through a couple of those for you. Uh, and the first one is that uh, we, can, we can talk to people about this whole redefining marriage uh, because we want our kids to grow up and experience and that they actually have the right to experience a mum and a dad, a male and a female part in their lives. Um, and we can talk to them about that because we can say that, you know, look, because we can actually see that kids who grow up that way do actually fare better. And they'll say, oh, how do you know that? Can't single mums do it and uh, affect our relationships and all those sorts of things? And can't there be love? And there is love, don't get me wrong. And even in uh, same-sex couples, there's love between them. Uh, Don't deny that. There is love. They do care desperately for one another. They love one another uh, intimately. But when we actually say, well, what is the best that we want for our children? What is the best direction for them, uh, the goal for them? the best thing for them is to actually grow up with a mum and a dad who love one another. And there are studies that show that. So I want to put up there for you, if you want to copy that down. uh, No, yeah, it's already there. Thanks, guys. Um, If you go, there's a study that's been done that's been signed by over 70 experts in the field of raising children. And, and they've worked out over a longitudinal study and looked out across a whole lot of different things and they've actually shown that children who are raised in families with a mum and a dad together who love one another and care for one another uh, rate higher on all the criteria for health for kids. And let me read, I need to look at these because I don't know them myself by heart. Um, but what they do is this. Uh, they, they looked at educational achievement, literacy and graduation rates, They looked at emotional health, rates of anxiety, depression, substance abuse and suicide. They looked at familial and sexual development, strong sense of identity, timing, onset of puberty, rates of teen, out of wedlock, pregnancy, rates of sexual abuse. They looked at child and adult behaviour, rates of aggression, attention deficit disorder, delinquency and incarceration. And it was clear that on the statistics, when they put that all together, the children that are raised with a mum and a dad fare better across generally across all those areas. And so we want to encourage people to see that because I think that gets lost in the mix. You see, in, when we get into the argument of all this, there's very little talk about the children unless it's about whether the children are bullied at school. That's the one I've heard often. Often same-sex couples will say that they want their children to be able to go to school and feel like uh, that they're normal and so their kids aren't aren't bullied. Okay? Uh, so they talk about it from that perspective. But when they talk about in regards to whether they're raised and whether it's the best thing for them, then they go to the love argument, but they don't go and have a look at the, the big picture argument. So we can encourage people to say, well, you, know, you need to do look at that. It actually it does show statistically they fare better with a mum and a dad. Um, the next thing that we need to encourage people to see is that it, it's actually not discrimination. That's another one that people will say this is a discriminating thing, that we're discriminating between same sex couples and married couples. No, what we're saying is actually that there are different categories here, and there's one category that is specific and best that's here. There could be another category over here that you want to have, but this one is, this one, we want to keep it for marriage because it's specific and it's special in that sense. Uh, and I don't know whether you know this, but um, let's get to my own notes where I've got it written down. but... What they've found is when they've um, gone through, back in 2010, the parliament actually amended 84 pieces of legislation to place homosexual rights and entitlements on the same basis as others. So when it actually comes down legally to what is across the board, homosexual same-sex couples have exactly the same rights as any other couple. Okay? And also what's happened in New South Wales, Victoria, Tasmania and ACT, uh, same-sex couples are able to register their relationship on a relationship register that provides public recognition and affirmation of their relationship. So, so the argument's not discrimination, really. The argument is whether we're going to change the whole concept of marriage. And so what we're going to say, well, we don't think that's a good thing to do because it will undergird and erode a whole lot of good things that marriage stands for. Discrimination's not really the issue. People who are in same-sex marriages or same-sex relationships have just about the same rights as all of us. Okay? So it's not really an argument. Um, when I listened to the radio the other day um, from the ABC, one of the things that a lot of the people were saying the parliamentarians are feeding back was that they want to keep the Marriage Act as is, uh, but we, they're, they're happy for some, something else to be set up that recognises same-sex marriages. Uh, And so they were were talking on that perspective. And I actually think that's where it'll go. I think we'll find that maybe the Marriage Act will hold itself, but then there'll be another uh, title, entity or something over here that recognises same-sex couples. And so you can see New South Wales, ACT and so forth, they've already got that. There's a marriage register that already, a relationship register that already does that so far. Now, the other issue that I think we need to be aware of, uh, and, and we need to do this really carefully because I think um, I don't know whether you read a little bit, there was a group that went to Parliament House uh, a few weeks ago and set up in the middle of Parliament House. They got speakers up and they started talking about these things and, and they took this argument they were about to talk about, which is the slippery slope argument, that uh, where do we open the gates and where do we close the gates? And they went down a really emotional path of taking it to an extreme point to a point and ranting and raving and that got really bad press. Uh, people didn't appreciate that, I don't think. But I do think we need to realise that it does open the gates to something more than what we possibly could ever imagine marriage could be. Uh, and so what it does, uh, it, it reduces marriage in a sense to a choice of adults and doesn't take into account kids within it. Uh, it's just the sexual choice and the emotional feeling of the adult at the time, whether this is right or wrong. So therefore, it could be anybody, anywhere, who says, my sexual orientation is this, and I love this person, whatever they are, whoever they are, I feel love for them, so therefore I can get married. So that could mean polygamous relationships could be opened up to that. Polyamorous relationships could be up to that. That's where people have multiple partners and each partner is happy with that. So it could go across the whole board. It could open up to those sorts of things. Uh, it could even open up really to the point where if you want to take it to uh, a little bit more of a scream, it's just I've got a golfing partner. We, we really love being with one another and experience, we have emotionally connected. We could get married because we play golf together regularly. Now, that's a bit silly, isn't it? But, but in a sense, it, it opens it up to that as well. Uh, and the last issue that I want to just quickly put down for you, um, because often the arguments that people will have is that Australia's being left behind. You know, Australia, they're, they're behind. The rest of the world's taking this on. And you almost get that feeling that Australia is the only place in the world that hasn't agreed to same-sex marriages. Well, let me just tell you, there's only Belgium, Holland, Norway, Spain, Canada and South Africa who have agreed to it. That's six out of 192 nations in the UN. Okay, Uh, And even within that, France recently has uh, gone through their Supreme Court and in France they've said that no, uh, having same-sex marriages isn't part of what we want to do. The marriage can, is between, between a male and a female and that's not uh, bigotry, it's not homophobic, it's nothing, none of those things. We're going to stay this way. So the French have said we're going to stay this way. In uh, California they've actually repealed their legislation that they had for same-sex couples and gone back the other way. Uh, so we're not being left behind, by the way. Uh, not all the world is going that way. Uh, people, not everyone's out there saying that this is what they should be doing. Um, so, I think that's good for us to keep in mind, isn't it? So, I think we can keep in mind that, for the sake of children, we could, you know, we want to encourage people to say this is the best option for them: is to have a mother and a father for their their growth, for their nurturing. It's the best thing that they can do. Um, we need to realize that. Uh, that it's not discrimination, that it's they've already the rights are already there. It's not discrimination. Uh, we are opening the gates wider than we could possibly imagine if we do go down this path. And uh, finally there, we need to realise that we're not left behind if we keep the Marriage Act as it is. So there's some points if you want to keep in mind as you're talking to people and you want to go for a, a discussion with them that doesn't go completely to the Bible but holds to the Bible's principles because of those... The other thing I think that we should be doing is proactive on the other side. So what can we do? Uh, I think that what we need to do really is we need to honour marriage, don't we? Hebrews 13:4 says this: "Marriage should be honoured by all, and the marriage bed kept pure. For God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral." Uh, The the key bit is the front, isn't it? That you know, marriage should be honoured by all. We should be people who honour marriage. We should be people who say this is a good thing. We should be people who work hard at doing marriage well. You see, the best advertisement for marriage between a male and female, exclusive, lifelong, is good marriages. If we do marriage well, then people are going to say, well, that is good, isn't it? And that's what the Bible says. We need to honour marriage. We need to do marriage well. Uh, That was part of the reason why I got Corinna to get up today and uh, do those three book reviews for you. It just happened to be that she'd been reading these books through the year and I thought, that's part of it, isn't it? I think as Christians sometimes we think, oh, well, I'm Christian so it's all going to be okay. I'm sorry to say that's garbage. Okay, Christian marriage and divorce rates are rising all the time. Uh, We don't have it all sorted. And a lot of times I think it's just because we think we've got it sorted. Uh, we need to work hard at our marriage. We need to actually, and when things are good, we need to make sure that they're even better. So, you know, if things are going well, read something else to try and help it go even better. If you're finding that you are struggling with it, well, get put in the hard yards and find out why. Talk about it. Work it out with your, your, your wife or your husband. Talk to someone who can help you. Maybe pick up a book together and read it together. Uh, Benny Weeks, I hope he doesn't mind me quoting... At uh, the blokes night the other night that we had together, uh, Ben said when it comes to encouraging your family, he said the two things that you need to do well, he says you need to love God well, you need to get your head into the Word and love God well. And the second thing is you've got to love your wife passionately. And he said your kids will get embarrassed and feel all strange, but at least they'll be secure and know that you love one another. And he's right, isn't he? We need to love our husbands and our wives passionately, and we need to show that we're not prudes as Christians. That's why that bloke's book that you know the seven things that you need to know about blokes—it's sex, respect, sex, respect, sex, respect. That's it. It's pretty simple, aren't we? We're not that hard to work out generally. But you know, we need to—we need to. That's part of it. That one flesh that God says at the beginning there is not just for procreation; it's actually for oneness. It's for bringing husbands and wives together. And so we should honour that, work hard at it. We should do marriage well. Uh, Someone said to me, I think it was, I'm quoting other people here, Ray said to me the other day at that same thing, we're in the kitchen, and he said, uh, the best thing that we can do for our kids is love our wives well. And he's right. It's true, isn't it? We need to love our wives well. We need to love our husbands well. And when we honour marriage and when we do that well, it is the best advertisement for marriage that you can have. Okay, let's do that. The other thing I think we can do is um, we can support one another. We want to encourage one another in that. When we see people and we see that they're making an effort to love their husbands and love their wives, well, encourage them with it. When you see them taking out their families and spending time with their families, encourage them with it. Support one another with it. Uh, pray for one another with it. Uh, there's a guy here who asks me most times when we get together, he says, how's, how's your thought life? Uh, how's your marriage going with your wife? Uh, is there anything getting in between you is there anyone getting in between that one flesh it's tough questions Uh, but they're questions I need to hear I need to be able to answer them and he supports me in that and he prays for me with that Uh, so we can do that with one another Um, the next one we can defend marriage as well Uh, Make a Stand website if you want to look at that Uh, they put out a thing today There was 52,000 people signed the petition to keep the Marriage Act the same. Uh, That's the biggest petition that's been handed to the parliament that they can remember, uh, that's been put to them, and it's had a major impact on how the parliament's thought about it. Um, They want us to continue to do that, continue writing uh, to our parliamentarians, continue to go to the Stand website, just click on to sign it so that you can do that. I reckon it's good for us to understand the arguments well. Uh, So this one down here, if you want to, write, I know it's all pretty tricky. If you go and have a look at that, they have a whole lot of articles written by guys and girls who are better at thinking ethically than I am, in regards to, and they'll they'll help you with this. But they'll help you with a whole lot of other issues as well. So a bit of the material I've been able to get has come from that website. Um, and this one here, which is the Australian Christian Lobby, uh, they've got a, a little sort of a four-page brochure, which I've got a couple of copies here for you on revising marriage, which is really helpful as well. But uh, if you want to have a look at that online, so they've been giving you. I've only got 10 copies because the photocopy I only did 10 for me today without breaking down. Uh, so so you can grab them as well. So that, that's worth looking at. Uh, next one. Love those with a different, different view to you. I think the key thing for Christians is it's so... Uh, I don't know, but so often we get tarred with this brush that we just want to smack people in the head if they don't believe what we believe and and that we write them off because they don't. But really we need to show them that we love them even though they may differ to us. You see, they think that we're intolerant, but we're actually, it's not about tolerance or intolerance, it's about love, isn't it? It's about saying that we may be different to you, we may think differently to you, but we love you within that and we care for you. And we're still going to have a conversation with him we're still going to have you over for tea we're still going to be part of our lives. we're still going to do that we need to love people through it I think uh, and finally we need to pray and we need to pray and we need to pray and we need to pray because the only one who can change any of this and all of this is ultimately God we need to put it into his hands and plead with him Uh, that he enables us to be people who honour marriage well, that he enables us to love people well, that he enables us to live uh, Jesus-shaped versions of our lives well so that when people do talk to us and think about these things, we can positively impact them and hopefully point them to our Saviour, Jesus Christ, because in the end, he's the only hope for all of it, isn't he? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, it's... uh... A really hot topic at the moment in our country, the whole redefining of marriage and especially in regards to the Marriage Act and especially within regards to same-sex couples being able to be married. Lord, we've touched on it briefly today and we've hit a number of things. We ask, Lord, that you'll help that to sink in and uh, for it to penetrate uh, into our minds and into our hearts and, Lord, that it will work out in the way that we love and care for those around us. Uh, Lord, we pray that we may be people who do shout how great you are to the world around us in the way that we interact, the way that we love, the way that we stick to you or the way that we are committed to the way that you'd have us live, Lord. That we'll shout how great you are by showing that Jesus Christ is the answer, that he is the one who transforms our lives and he is the one that enables us to love you and enables us to love each other, Lord. We pray that... uh, as you uh, work within our lives through your spirit to make us more like Jesus, that that will uh, just move out into every aspect of our lives, Lord, as we live for you in this broken world. We pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen.